This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Take a dose of every day But how am I supposed to stay In a world built on empty ways And the lessons of all the rage Good morning. Today is May 30th, 2015. It is the annual Potomac River Snakehead Tournament. We will gather in a few short hours in Barbary, Maryland for the free fishing tournament meeting where we will sign our waivers and buy our shirts and everything else for this weekend. The plan is to fish at Mallows Bay. If you're near a computer or listening to this on your phone, pull up Google Maps or Google Earth. Okay, you're there. Mallows, M-A-L-L-O-W-S. Just heard about this place this week. I don't know how I've never heard of it. Being that I've lived here my entire life, it is the largest shipwreck in the Western Hemisphere location. 240 plus boats from, I think, the Revolutionary War through World War I. And they're all in this small bay just across the river from Quantico, Virginia. Apparently, there's a lot of good structure there. It appears to be pretty damn scenic if you're looking at it on Google Maps or Google Earth. You can see all the ship hulls in the bottom of the river. Hopefully it's clear. We really haven't had a whole lot of rain, a couple thunderstorms. It's been a dry month leading into June next week. I've been tying up some flies. As you may know, I'm on the Matsuo America Pro Staff team. So I use Matsuo America hooks, the worm hooks, and the sickle hooks. They are ridiculously sharp, extremely strong. And to go through the flies that I've tied up for this trip, I have what I call my Snallygaster worm. It is about a six and a half to seven inch braided crystal chenille worm. And these all are weedless with 50 pound monofilament weed guards. I've tied up gutless frogs. And if you check Instagram, you're going to notice that I now use exclusively the Matsuo sickle hooks. These frogs have gotten much improved since I started tying them about three quarters of a year ago. I will do another tutorial on how to tie them coming up because the one on YouTube it's kind of outdated. So I've got different ones of those. I also have the gutless frogs with Cohen's creature frog legs on the back. So hopefully that just gives it a better profile. I've tied up reapers. 
Again, on a Mazuo America, these are size two worm hooks, 50 pound weed guards. I have purple, I have chartreuse, I have orange, and that's about it. So I basically have a box of those. In addition, I have Matsuo America Nano Croaker Frog Lures. They're not that different from a fly. They're truly weedless. If we get into some nasty spots, we're going to throw those. The plan is to meet here at about 3 o'clock when my daughter's birthday party is done. We'll drive over. We will do the pre-tournament meeting, buy our shirts, and then head out to Mallow's Bay. So for the rest of the evening, you are going to hear all sorts of exhausted shenanigans. We will start fishing at 7 p.m., and we'll finish around 11.30 to noon tomorrow morning. Maybe two to three hours of sleep tonight. I have my Eno Eagle's Nest Outfitters hammock that I'm either going to curl up with and just sleep with that on the ground. Or I will find two trees and make a hammock. Or I will put it between the two pulpits in the boat. We will see. Four guys in the boat. It's going to be crowded, but we're going to get it done. I've got Chef Boyardee cans to eat tonight. I have a lot of Gatorade, and I have Larry the Cable Guy brand potato chips. I didn't even know those existed. I found them at Big Lots. I got dill pickle and cheeseburger flavor. The team consists of Justin Siobhan, Andrew Holt, and Thomas Perkins, all TPFR members. And we will pick up later in the day when they arrive. Let's hope to get some good interviews at the meeting tonight, throughout the night on the boat, and tomorrow at the weigh-in. I'm hoping my boat is well-charged because we're going to need those lights from 10 o'clock until 5 a.m. So that's about it. I hope this turns out to be a fun trip. I have not seen a snakehead yet except at weigh-ins on these tournaments. So hopefully Mallow's Bay, hopefully what we've learned from last year, these new flies, Orvis Recon rods, all those should help to bring some fish to the boat. I've also got some gar flies. There's a lot of gar in the river right now. I'm happy with catching other fish, but I, I really want snakeheads. So we have Holt out this morning scouting locations, and we'll pick up with everybody later this afternoon. So sit tight and uh, listen to this uh, audible transition. All right, so we're out on the boat. Nothing. I'm totally recording you. So we're going to pass this around, and each person can introduce themselves. What you're throwing and where you're throwing your flies now. It's uh, 8.28 p.m. now on the 30th. It's uh, sun's behind the trees. We're seeing fish popping, just not on the fly. So you know who I am. I'm throwing a Snow White Snallygaster, eight weight, against the spatter dock and the pickerel weed. And you just heard the frogs. There's bald eagles everywhere. Slight wind, full moon. Should be a good night. All right, take it, hold it down here and talk. Hi, I'm rowing. I'm Justin. I'm preoccupied at the time, but I'm throwing nothing. Here. Red button? No, it's recording. Oh. I'm Thomas Perkins. Uh, I'm throwing a Pat Cohen Muganzer right now up against the weeds, but no luck quite yet. Not even a largemouth base. No <laughs> largemouth base. Come on, Justin, Justin. <laughs> I put my teeth. I put my teeth. Uh, you're in like eight inches of water. You gotta row us out. So I'm trying to record a podcast, bastard. <laughs> and we already demolished. We already demolished an entire Papa John's large pizza, and then the garlic sauce spilled all over Thomas's backpack. So if you're walking in D.C. and you, you think you smell fresh Papa John's, it's him. And we ended up not going to Mallow's. We're up in Mattawoman, right next to. Slavin's docks right now by the Navy facility and yeah, that's it. We'll check back into you at uh, in the middle of the night. So uh, well, Osprey's getting ready to dive Scratch that All right, then Well, I just landed my first fish of the night nice largemouth bass. How big you say that one was? Three pounds, two and a half. Two and a half, three pounds on the gutless frog and now the frog is completely stuck in the spatter dock Dude, it's not spider dock. <laughs> it's definitely spider dock. <laughs> you can hear the frogs are like deafening out here, so that's why I'm throwing a gutless, but you don't see any getting eaten. And Thomas freed me. Finally. We could have our own Passover Seder just based on the freedom of that. So, yeah, it's uh, 9 o'clock on the dot. You can totally see the 
the, the fish murderers with their, their bows and arrows and spears and down there. So it's really bright out. And uh, yeah, we're going to keep going. If we can find out where we are and get around this island. And that's about it. Master rower. Oh, dude, you all know it. Big ninja mode here, motherfuckers. I'll give an explicit warning, hopefully, at the beginning. By the way, the lightning bugs are out, and uh, I call that the official first night of summer. And that largemouth, it, it bumped the fly like two to three times. I set the hook and missed. And then I went back around and got him on the second cast. And it was awesome. You like the sound of the frogs? Love the sound of the frogs. I hate Uncle Jamie. All right, so let me get you caught up to where we are now. It's uh, about 12.30. And I'm in a hammock strung up between the two guardrails on a dock. Davis, I believe, is butt naked at a boat ramp right now at Slavin's. Uh, we met up with them about three hours ago just to stretch our legs here at the docks and have a drink. And then it turns out uh, my boat had no battery charge. So it completely died. So we have no navigation lights. And considering there's boats out here shooting arrows, we are going to stay here the night. We jury-rigged some lanterns with glow sticks and water bottles and with... Uh, Oh, he just said the river's good. We did the old uh, headlamp on the jug of water. And we were basically just sitting here eating the fried dill pickle chips, which just tastes like dill. You'd think Larry the Cable Guy wouldn't have a line of potato chips and be hawking Harper medicine, but apparently he is. Um, I'm seeing things I do not need to be seeing right now. Oh my god, that, that dock is perfectly positioned. I don't see anything from my vantage point. Uh, so everyone else is on the dock, the floating dock now. It's outgoing tide. Full moon. <laughs> Full moon, so to speak. And uh, yeah, so that's about it for now. So a lot less fishing. Uh, only fish landed so far was that one largemouth. And... Um, yeah, I am going to curl up now. It's uh, it's windy. I've only got on uh, shorts, long sleeve shirt, and a Patagonia raincoat and my hat. And unfortunately, I'm looking right at the dock lights. So uh, it's going to be a pretty bright evening. So that's it. I'm going to sign off, and hopefully sunrise we will catch up with things. All right, so tournament's over. We have Kelly with us. Do you want to introduce yourself i am kelly swan the snakehead queen the director of operations is my official title um basically i follow behind austin tie up all the loose ends make sure everything logistically is finished um from planning i start now planning for next year and keep things rolling smooth what did you hang out here last night did you fish no, we stuck around here until about 9.30, uh, getting things ready for today, figuring out the, the prize money, um, logistics, how things are going to work this morning, make, planning out the schedule. But no, I, I don't actually fish. Uh, two of the, I guess four of the pro fish member or pro staff, um, they went out on the boat to patrol, but I don't think they actually went fishing. So you do eat fish? I do indeed eat fish. All right, so I eat fish and don't eat fish, so we kind of have like the yin and yang bounces oh. out. Yeah, I would say so. All right. So what are you going to do? Are you done working? You got to have a cold beer now, or you got to still work things? We got the raffles coming up. Basically, my hard job's done. Once we start, once registration's over, I can kind of settle down. Um, my sister-in-law, Sarah, she steps in and takes over for the weigh-in. She records all the results. I kind of step back until we're ready to... Um, actually hand out prize money. Right now I have a, a team of friends and girlfriends of pro staff members that are selling raffle tickets and t-shirts and taking pictures, but my job's pretty much over now right. until tomorrow. Fantastic. All right, well, I'll let you go hang out and do your thing and see who else we can interview. Hey, hubby's there. 
Yeah, and him again. I got him last year too. Yeah, exactly. you're, you're a novice podcaster. Yeah, I am. So I, so I don't even understand how podcasts. So no, we'll be record that. So this will be on iTunes and on uh, RSS feed. So it's basically like an internet radio show. Okay. And people can download at their leisure and listen to it. And uh... whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Yeah. You know, out in the country, we don't even have uh, cable internet, so. Wow. Yeah, man. I used to work for the Rural Telecommunications Company. That makes sure everybody out in the boondocks would get internet. Hey, do you still have any connections? I don't. Oh, man. I was a, actually, I was a temp. That doesn't really And then we went steelhead fishing. I don't think I ever came back. <laughs> hey, you got to do what you love. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, and all right, Catfish John's over, so uh, let's go find Chef Chad. Let's get Austin, too. All right, well, thanks so much. All right, thank you. Can you hear? Yeah, we can hear. So now we have Mr. Uh, birthday suit himself. What happened with your guys' boat today? Were you getting towed so you could troll behind it? Uh, we uh, Troll, I should say. No, we lost. We had some fuel issues, and uh, we weren't getting fuel to the boat, so we were limited on the fishing today, that's for sure. How far up did you guys make it before the S hit the fan? Uh, not quite to the wall, but we were above Slavin, so that was about it. Now, do you remember what happened to Jeff Buckley? No. He went waiting in the Mississippi at night. We never saw Jeff Buckley again. <laughs> No, I mean, last night I had a had a dip in the into the Potomac, cleaned myself, and I may or may not have been in my birthday suit. That's for the, no, the folks who were there. No candiru cacti, uh, catfish went up your uh, urethra? Nothing I know of. I'll have to report back next week. All right. Did you get some fried snakehead? Not yet, but I plan on it. Oh, they already have it out. Yeah, they have fried snakehead to go. Looks good. And Chef Chad looks like he's got his bon mi set up, so good chat with him. Have you ever heard of a flute in bluegrass? I have not heard of a flute in bluegrass. Is it a flute or is it a tin whistle? Looks like a flute. What's a tin whistle? Tin whistle's like an Irish kind of thing. Oh, of course. He would know. All right. That's it for this bit. I'm good. I got Gatorade. Thanks. What you guys do? Uh, I got three largemouth, two to the boat. One was... Pretty huge. I got, I got like a five pounder. and a half pounder over by um, in the back of Matter Woman. Well, let's introduce yourself. Uh, Chad Wells, executive chef of Alewife Baltimore. And what are you cooking for us this afternoon? For those who don't know what this sandwich is, uh, I'm making uh, snakehead banh mi's, which is like a Vietnamese style sandwich with um, pickled carrots, daikon sprouts. Um, do grilled snakehead with uh, hoisin glaze on it and some sriracha sauce. Can't beat the sriracha sauce. I'm gonna have to just get one without the snakehead. Yeah, it'll probably be good. Still, really haven't eaten anything but Chef Boyardee in the last two days. Well, I saw that pizza last night. Oh yeah, so that that ended up uh, getting knocked over, and the garlic sauce spilled all over Thomas's backpack. So that's gonna smell real nice. Eat the backpack. Yeah. So, um, what? How does a banh mi work? It's all about the textures. Yeah, it's just a play on a bunch of different textures when you ha- and then it's also a play on like spicy and a little bit of sour, some sweet. Um, it's all going on with it, and then some ginger and pickly taste going on. Fantastic. All right, well, we'll get some pictures up for you. All right, well, uh, I'll let you talk and to your sous chef here and let you get to it. This yeah, this, this is Alex from Alewife. This is actually Alex's last day at Alewife. I know. Is at the Snakehead Tournament, so this is great. Alex Alex is not is not even a cook, but he's learned to be one, essentially. Let's throw him in the river. Enough. Yeah, we could do that. He might make good bait, but he's a little mind. bit tall. Uh, All right, let's get the, the maestro himself. You got a minute? Sure. Let's go over here. Into the sun? Dude, it's too hot. Uh, it's 20 degrees hotter up here than it was down when we were fishing. Holy shnikes. All right, so how many years now has this been going on? This is our fifth year. Uh, excited about that. You know, we're getting great sponsors year to year, great turnout. Very excited. How many people signed up for this one? Looks like we have over 100. 
this year. Um, I can get you the exact data, you know, in a little bit, but we have over 100. Yep, yep. And we're seeing more uh, people who are attempting to catch them with rod and reel, which is great. Uh, that's something that's, you know, uh, I'm addicted to. So it's nice to see more people coming out and trying it. Mm -hmm. Now that we have two separate categories, one for bow fishing, one for rod and reel, I think we're attracting more more people. We didn't see one all last night and today. Not for lack of trying, though. Okay. Well, We we worked the pads, the spatter dock, mm -hmm. island structure, everything. I heard from a couple of people who concentrated on grass and uh, actually did well yesterday and early this morning. Uh, last night, I think the bite was a little slow, but apparently this morning the bite was really good. So, you think the full moon had any difference? The moon always affects it because, of course, it changes the intensity of the tide. So I'm sure it had a lot to do with it. But the nice thing with the full moon is sometimes you get a little extra time to fish. You know, you can fish a little later for you know because the snakeheads will eat a little later, and and you know that's. That's the benefit, but you do have tidal tidal issues that you don't normally have. Yeah, we definitely almost got stuck last night. Did we you? were way up by Slavens, and then I was rowing out, and like wow. I just had to walk the boat out. And you draw hardly any water in your yeah. Four guys with what do you draw with that? Four guys on your boat? I don't know, but it was pretty rough trying to get out of there. Yeah. In my egret, it's usually just me or me and someone, and I draw about six inches, and yeah, I have to watch the tides very closely. Actually, I draw more than six, probably closer to nine fully loaded, so I watch the tide very closely so that, you know, I don't get stuck, but it happens. <laughs> There's a guy in the Occoquan last year apparently got stuck for the entire low tide on a bass boat. He was just on a gravel bar, no kidding. and he just had to sit there and wait it out. Everyone was laughing at him. Well, yeah, it happens. Well, one of the nice things about the tournament, people are so friendly here. We had uh, one of the participants uh, ran out of gas up north on the Matawoman Creek this morning, and we had another participant. Team Under Armour? Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, uh, Urban Angler. I, I, I don't want to call him out, but uh, we had another team who was actually in the competition who went and helped him out, which yeah. I think you I don't normally was, see. I believe it was the, uh, the team that ran out of gas. It was the one that had the skinny dipper last night. <laughs> I got no comment or no knowledge of that. No, I, I saw there were two full moons. <laughs> Definitely no comment on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's it's been great. We um, how nice is this weather? You know, I I got about 15 emails about a week ago saying the weather's going to be awful. And one thing I know about these weather patterns, you have to wait. Um, you know, 48 hours is usually my window, and even then it changes. So we went from a 60% chance of rain today to uh, I think a very small chance tonight which I'm stoked about yeah, yeah. I'm going straight from here to our condo pool uh, yeah uh, I can understand that but at least we have a nice breeze blowing yeah you know we're in the shade now I would say what does it feel like maybe 80 in the shade but you know I, definitely when you step out you feel right. the heat yeah but um stoked to have you down again this oh, year you you know you're a great advocate for fly fishing and you get the word out and I have a lot of respect for that. You know, we need the voice with fly fishing and angling and even bow fishing. We need a good voice, and you're one of them, and I appreciate it. Fantastic. Appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. All right, awesome. Get back to it. Good seeing you, buddy. Cheers. All right, so our third annual podcast review, if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, Joe Love, Maryland DNR, Title Bass Program Manager. So what is new with the Snakeheads since we last spoke? Well, we're seeing them in new areas uh, this time around. It looks like they're going to get into the non-tidal Potomac. Uh, We found a a juvenile up there in the CNO Canal, uh, which is not good. We found a couple, or we found about six or seven in private community ponds on the eastern shore, uh, one in Fruitland. So we're doing our best now to tell people that, you know, it's illegal to introduce them, it's illegal to handle them alive, and we don't want them in there neighborhood ponds yeah, so, so we're working on that message so i have two things to say that so now we have them they've been stocked in on my side of the river in virginia in burke lake yeah lake braddock and occoquan reservoir yeah and then yep. i'm down guiding at chain bridge and i see the guy snagging them taking yep. 10 15 out a day not yep. killing them yep. oh. and i call the park police and i'm like hey you know fish and wildlife wants yeah. to make sure 
you know, Lacey Act, these things are not getting taken anywhere and dumped, and they're like, honestly, we have better, we have other things to do. Is that what they're saying? Literally, to quote, we have other things to do. Well, all I can't, I can't speak to what's going on, on that side of the river. What I can say is, this year, about two months ago, I had a meeting with our natural resource police commanders and lieutenants, and I made aware that they're are potentially people holding Snakehead alive, and they are stepping up patrols. Um, they they will be fun. We just upped the fines. Um, it's a maximum of $2,500 per person, and if it's a Lacey Act violation, that's $250,000, and there is uh, potential jail time. So um, there's an ongoing investigation now in Delaware, I don't want to speak about it, but uh, of someone who's illegally introducing them. They know who it is. They'll work on that. And uh, over here, we've you know, covered the pre- I covered the press last uh, last week. I did three uh, television interviews. We did some press interviews uh, to uh, alert the public that there's a problem, and uh, with this mindset that folks can just carry Snakehead alive and introduce them, we are serious. Uh, Natural Resources Police is serious, so just don't do it. We have events like this. You want to go fishing for them? Fish for them. You don't. If you don't want them, you catch them. You don't want them. You can legally throw them back alive. Um, we are encouraging you to take them home, but the one thing you can't do is walk around with a live snakehead. There was a bust up in Montgomery County um, last year. Some guy neighborhood had some live snakehead in his backyard in a pond. They were busted by Natural Resource Police because a local citizen filmed it with their camera phone, and they sent it to NRP. They sent it to me, and um, we identified that they were snakehead, and then that person got fined. So you think you're doing something, you know, um, that you can get away with? Think again. Right. Enough people, enough people know that you're not supposed to be transporting them alive, and for very good, legitimate reasons. It's a not, you know, it violates law, but there are some good ec- ecological reasons not to do it. And um, you know, if they try it, they get caught. You know, they're going to get fined. They should know that. An event like this, how much is that going to take away from the population in the tidal section? You know, they, last year they took over a thousand pounds out just in this single event. This year, who knows? Um, you know, fellas just weighed in about 150 pounds of snakehead, and that was just one team, and we've got a long line there. Yeah. So, you know, they could easily pull out a thousand in 24 hours, thousand pounds in 24 hours. You think about that, add that to the commercial harvest that seems to be building, the recreational harvest, the, the folks who are getting out there with their kids or just overnight uh, with a bow and arrow or fly fishing rod or um, hook in line with their kayak and they're just hammering the fish. That's um, not us. Them, and they're bringing the yeah, <laughs> and they're bringing them in. Some folks are hammering the fish <laughs> not, not and they're bringing them in. And uh, yeah, it's you know what? All of the agencies have agreed this past year that it's been more challenging for anglers to get the snakehead. So for the first time, all of the agencies are saying the same thing uh, for the Potomac River. So you know what? And what that tells me is that events like this doing something. Yeah. Um, that the message is getting out there now. I'm not saying that they're going to eradicate them. We'll probably always have snakehead in the Potomac. But what I am saying is that it's making a dent and it's minimizing the ecological impact on our resources. So kudos to these guys and kudos to the people who are fishing the rest of the year and, uh, and harvesting the animal. Now, we know these are some pretty resilient fish. Do you have any just bizarre stories you've come across in the last year or just something that, that's new and that surprised you? Uh, you know, I think uh, as far as I'm concerned, very little with this fish surprises me. Um, we've, uh, we've seen, I was just talking to a fella about their leaping capacity. It's starting to amaze me how high they jump. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this guy was telling me um, they are avoiding these bike net leaders by jumping over the leaders. Um, you know, I, I'm telling you, these guys are incredible acrobats. And I think... This past year, I saw that stuff firsthand. They're jumping out of the boat, our electro-fishing boats, um, jumping in front of the electro-fishing boats. We see them jumping in the distance. And uh, just just that kind of athletic ability, um, I think, encourages anglers to want to catch them on a hook and line because it's a fun catch. But uh, they are a very muscular fish, and so that kind of leads itself to some uh, interesting imagery as far as I'm concerned. We were down at Roach's Run by the airport. For National Airport, or if you're not a local, it's Reagan National. And we were just, just fishing, swinging some streamers, and the snakehead, 40 inches long, just leapt out 
and did a perfect arc and just went back in and we were all just yeah. What, what was that for? Right. And where's your camera at that time, yeah. right? Because if you if you really want to, you know, showcase something um, incredible, we don't have any shots of that. You know what I'm saying? We have there are whales breaching, dolphins breaching. We have you know birds slamming into the water for prey. But getting a snakehead leaping out of the water, timing that photograph like that. That's that's a cool photograph. Yeah, and I don't absolutely. mean to call it a sport fish or something that we want out there. If you want something surprising, we don't have too many fish capable of doing that. Absolutely. All right. So what do you and you're just here representing MDNR today? Yeah. So we we bring in the the scale so that these guys can can weigh in their fish. It's all calibrated. So and it's a state certified scale. So if anyone brings in a state record snakehead or in this uh, this year a blue catfish then I can certify the, the weight, and then we can get these folks a state record, perhaps. There is one just nasty, fat, blue cat on the ground over there. Is there really? A distended gut. I want to know what's in there. It's just everything, right? If you want to cut it open, you could go talk to that guy. I bet it would be, yeah. I don't know. These guys, Some of our biologists have been finding shad in their guts lately, which is a concern because we want to protect our American shad, right? But, uh, yeah, who knows? These guys, these catfish, they, they swallow. I'm sure it's not a human or anything. But it'd be fun to pull it, at, uh, open that gut, and find out what's in there. I always hear at least once a year someone tells me this. It's the same story that a diver had to go down somewhere, saw a catfish, came up, and said he's never going back down there again. Oh man, I don't know that story. I have heard that so like every year I hear about that from somewhere else. Yeah, well, you know, there are some big catfish out there, and I get that some people are, they're probably one of the biggest fish we have in our, you know, tidal freshwater areas. And uh, if not the biggest species we have, and I get it's a little scary, but I watch River Monsters. They have you know shows dedicated to people um, going after catfish with their hands. You know, down south, it's where I'm from. It's pretty common that folks will, you know reach into a tree stump and pull out a not a, me catfish. Oh no, no, not me either. Because sometimes they'll pull out a water box and yeah, that's not a good time. Yeah, there's. Do those? When you, do you get to write off your cable bills then as a business expense? <laughs> no, I haven't tried that one. The IRS may have a problem. That's yeah. a good idea. Maybe next year I'll think about. I tried that with one. my wife. She's like, "You're not getting fishing channels." Right. Well, you don't want to get audited, do you? No. No. Yeah. But I, you know, I wouldn't be too too surprised if some people go down there and see some pretty big, pretty big blue catfish. I, I would like to see the one you're talking about. Yeah, it's on the end. It's in like a little trout net. It's just like tail and head are sticking out. Yeah. You know, and sometimes folks want to release them alive, you know, because they're so big and they regard them as a trophy fish. And, you know, everyone's got their own ethical standards, and that's okay. It's not the department um, philosophy to release those big ones alive. They're trying to encourage the removal of them and the harvest of them um, because of the impact they can make both by way of reproduction and consumption because they're eating a lot of fish out there. But I think every now and again, seeing a big catfish like that come into the weigh scale kind of reminds us what is out there that Mm -hmm. usually most people don't see, right? Because not all of us are diving down. Absolutely. Well, I think that's about it. Appreciate the time. Yeah, no worries, man. Where where can uh, you guys have a specific website people can go to and see all the information you guys gather? Um, they can go to uh, DNR if they wanted to run a Google search. DNR Snakehead, we have a web page uh, devoted to Snakehead. Fish and Wildlife Service has a page devoted to Snakehead. And USGS has a uh, updated, regularly updated map of distribution of Snakehead in the, uh, in the nation. Uh, with blue catfish, there are a lot more resources out there um, that people can, can dig into. Uh, DNR does have some information on blue catfish. So if folks want to, you know, see where they are, what's being brought in, I'd encourage them to check out DNR's angler's log, uh, search out blue cat, see, what, see who's catching what and where. Or just come on out to events like this and talk to the anglers themselves. There's free beer and free bon me right now. I know, and free stories. Lots of really great stories. So this is actually better than cable television. This should be a And the weather's pretty ridiculous today. Oh, it's gorgeous out. So, got so lucky. Tomorrow it's going to be a crap storm. But today, boom, beautiful sunshine. It's better than the beach. Yeah. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it.
Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem, man. It's good talking to you. Catch up in a year. All right. Hope to. Yeah. All right. Talk to you later. All right. So we're going to finish up here with Josh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife. What's new in the snakehead world since last year? Unfortunately, um, we're seeing a lot more outside of the Potomac. Um, the past couple of years, it had been quiet. But uh, this spring, we're starting to see them increasing the reports from the little Patuxent uh, that was found in some private ponds in Fruitland on the eastern shore of Maryland. Um, we caught one in the CNO Canal, a small juvenile, so that one likely didn't get there on its own. It was either put there by somebody or there's some reproduction going upstream of Great Falls, which either of which is not good news. So, uh, you know, that's the bad news. Um, here in the Potomac, we're starting to see catches are down. Um, I don't know what we're up to in the weigh-in, but I know anglers are reporting not. It's a little bit harder to go get them. Um, we're seeing that. Uh, with the agencies, electric fishing, the population hasn't changed in a few of the tributaries we're monitoring, like Little Hunting Creek and the Upper Anacostia. So that's what's new going on now. We got a national snakehead management plan was recently adopted, so that could mean more funding for agencies. That would be a good thing. Um, that just got final approval and should be uh, published here shortly. So do you think these people are dumping them in other bodies of water for sport or just smaller locations for them to access for food? It's probably a mixture of both. Um, you know, I don't really know what would motivate somebody. I thought we'd, we'd trying to get the word out, make sure, you know, just because we might not be seeing some negative impacts in the Potomac or some obvious negative impacts doesn't mean it's not going to happen in a pond or some smaller streams. So it could be to establish a food source. It could be to establish a fishery. But, you know, either way, we don't know the impacts of that. So the best, the best uh, you know, thing to do is not not to stock them and it is a federal Lacey Act violation to transport them across state lines it's across it's across, or against state uh, law in Maryland to transport them alive so the fines Maryland's fine I think they up to 2,500 or 5,000 federal Lacey Act violation is up to five years in prison or $250,000 so it's there's some heavy fines that come with that so that's one of the big things to be concerned about. These seem to be quite resilient fish. Have you guys learned anything new that is just amazing to you about their survivability and adaptability? Um, nothing recently. You know, they can produce up to 100,000 eggs uh, a year. That We still don't know if they can spawn twice a year or not, but 100,000 eggs per fish from a large freshwater predator is pretty astonishing. You know, they can live out of water as long as they're wet for a few days, so... That's always a problem just because they low levels like we've seen this spring, low water levels, low dissolved oxygen, the snakeheads are going to survive, whereas some native species won't. But, you know, we kind of already knew some of that. Um, recent, we haven't seen anything recently. We haven't seen any huge numbers, you know, huge size-wise. The biggest one that I know of is 37, 38 inches. And they can get up to 20 pounds. You know, nobody's broken that 20-pound mark. But I had one that was 36 inches. How much do you think that weighed? That one's probably at least 15 pounds, depending on the time of year. I mean, if it was... It was uh, May. Yeah, May or June. Was, if it was a female, um, then it was probably at least 15, 16 pounds. We actually find that the biggest fish are, tend to be males. That's kind of interesting. We did just figure that out last year. Most fish, females tend to be the biggest ones. You think of something like striped bass or something like that. A snakehead, at least as an agency, all the biggest ones that we've caught over 36 inches have been male. Anything new or interesting you found in their guts? No, you never know. I think of them in a way like a shark. You never know what you're going to find in the gut. But typically they eat small sunfish, small killifish. Every once in a while you find a rubber worm from an angler, frogs, rumors of a duck. I don't believe that that really happened. Yeah. Hey, we got a tag snakehead. That's good. All right, so capture, mark, recapture? That's right, yeah, we were... Working to establish, that's how we come up with population estimates, and that's how we come up with uh, harvest estimates. So between agencies and anglers, we determine we can harvest about 20% of the population, which is a pretty high rate. So data like that, keep it coming in. If you get a tag snakehead, call it in. You get a certificate, a hat, and we need that data. So 
definitely appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I think I'm ready to get out of the sun and go home. It's been a long two days, so. Uh, How'd you make out? Did you do all right? I caught three huge bass. Pretty good. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd, I would have been like, if I wasn't snakehead fishing, I'd be like, oh, dude, I caught huge bass. But yeah. you, you, you don't know what you have because the water's brown. You pull it up, you're like, oh, man. I understand. Yeah, when we're out snakehead fishing and we don't catch any, it's it's good, but it makes for a long day on the water. So I hear you. It's it's but, good that you don't, but when you're going after them, you like to catch them. Uh, yeah, I'm the only one who caught fish on our team before. No, uh, well, there you go. That you can at least got those bragging rights. Yeah. So. No catfish either, I'm guessing, huh? No cats. All right. All right. Well, that wraps up. I guess we'll talk to you next year. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, right. Rob. All right. Let's see where to start. So we last were speaking, I was in the, I was in my hammock on Saturday night at, I don't know, 12.30, 1 in the morning, and the dock uh, walkway was not wide enough to string up a hammock across. It was very narrow. And then I only had rope on one end of my Eno hammock, that's Eagle Nest Outfitters, if I didn't say that before. So what I ended up doing is wrapping around and carabining it, carabining it, and I tried to go to sleep. However, the other guys were up cackling. I like to sleep with earplugs, a little afrin to clear my sinuses, and a sleeping mask. But uh, that didn't happen. I didn't have my buff with me for a sleeping mask. I had no earplugs, no afrin, so I was congested. My back was against the deck wood. And at some point, I fell asleep. And then at 3 in the morning, I was woken up by the bow guys with their giant generator boats and their bright lights and their music. And they were coming and going from the boat ramp. And these guys could care less that we were sleeping. Now, Justin was sleeping on a park bench. <laughs> he was sleeping on a park bench with one life jacket, either for, I don't know where it was on him, maybe underneath him. And then there was Thomas, who I think slept on a dock. And then at some point, Holt stepped over me and took the entire fishing pier to himself. And it looked like from when I woke up in the middle of the night that Davis and Ivan had sleeping bags and ground pads and maybe pillows. So they definitely had it going on. So then I think, I don't know when, we all kind of woke up at like 5 and that may have been one of the, the least amount of sleeps I'd ever gotten. At some point, I just got up and just wrapped the, the Eno hammock around me and just slept on the wood. The wood was at an incline. It was handicap accessible. So at least I had some kind of um, nice elevation angle to how I was sleeping. And I got up. We all got in the boats and started fishing at like 5. Pretty early on, I, I cracked a beer. I had a can of Shift Boy RD. Mini raviolis cold out of the can. And we started fishing pretty early, started going up the creek, fishing the pads, the spatter dock. And the tide was incoming, so we basically just rode the tide up. The problem with high tide and spatter dock is all the beetles that live on them get into the boat. Every surface of the boat was covered in these beetles. And the surfaces cover the beetles, Those the beetles themselves were covered with more beetles. It was like a biblical plague. You can look at the pictures I just posted on the blog. They weren't everything. It was it was kind of gross. It was like uncomfortable. They were getting in your clothes. They're all over your leg hair, crawling around. And then from there, we kept fishing pretty hard. We got nothing up top. Holt was throwing lures. We were throwing flies. We we're switching out. We threw like uh, the Cohen's merganser, snallygaster worms, reapers, gutless frogs. Nano croakers, uh, we just kept playing with it. Clousers, uh, tarpon toads. And then at some point we said, screw the fishing structure, screw fishing in the pads, the spatter dock. Everything was getting hung up in the lily pads. Like it was insane. So we went down river to fish the grass flats, which had milfoil. Now it's spelled M I L F O I L. It's either milf oil or milfoil. I don't know. I'm guessing it's not MILF oil because that would be a little X-rated. So we're fishing on this island that's got bald eagles on it. There are juveniles. There's adults. There's ospreys. There's herons. 
And we start going around there. We're getting nothing in, in the milfoil. Absolutely just getting skunked. But by the minute, it's getting hotter and more humid. And Holt decides to have a Bloody Mary for breakfast. And then he just falls asleep at one point in the boat. And then we were rowing around, taking turns. We got to the edge of the lily pads. And I felt a bump, bump. And I set the hook. And I got a nice about two-pound largemouth on a chartreuse and black uh, reaper fly. And since I'm going to Florida this week, I got to tie up more reapers because I lost a bunch. I actually ended up breaking my leaders. When you're trying to pull a fly through the, the, the lily pads, it's pretty, pretty darn fibrous stuff. I ended up losing two leaders and breaking them actually off of my fly line. So I, I do a eight weight line nail knot of 40 pound amnesia. And then I do 30 pound uh, vicious to 20 pound Berkeley vanish to 14 pound Berkeley vanish about 11 to 12 foot leader. And then a non slip mono loop to the fly of choice. So after losing two more flies in the weeds and having to re tie and nail knot, it's kind of hard to do those nail knots when you really haven't slept all night and you got some reflux because all you've eaten is pizza and chef Boyardee in the last two days. I, um, Went to the nano croaker and that thing just just went through the pads under and over them but no luck oh i lost the bass we got it to the boat and couldn't get the net out in time and it threw the hook it was the smallest it was smaller than the one i caught the night before which was pretty that thing was you know three pounds plus from there we did you know two circles around the island on the far side of the island i now had on a purple purple reaper fly and i ended up getting a nice bass probably two and a half pounds right on the edge of some of the weeds. So we kind of knew where these fish were hanging out, but they were not snakeheads. That was the problem. I was the only one in the entire tournament to hook up with fish. Holt had one bite the night before, which sounded like a snakehead, but we will never know. Uh, but yeah, Justin and Thomas didn't hook up. We don't know if it was the flies I was using or the leader or, or what, or um, kind of the jigging style I've learned where I keep the rod up against my gut and just Kind of just jig the fly up and down. From there, we fished. Um, Holt was just exhausted. So at one point, I went to throw a nano croaker at Justin, but I missed and it landed right on Holt, and he didn't even wake up or flinch. He was pretty he was pretty out cold. So at about 9 o'clock, we dropped him off after three, four hours of fishing at the docks for him to get some sleep, and then we rode around some more, and... Um, I was pretty exhausted. I needed to use the bathroom. So I got up on shore and was just like, all right, I'm, it's like 10 a.m. now. I'm just done. It's hot. It's humid. I'm exhausted. Uh, I've more or less been up since 7 o'clock the day before after my daughter's planning for her birthday party, having the birthday party, breaking down the birthday party, getting the boat, setting up the boat, putting the boat in, fishing all night, barely sleeping, fishing all morning. I, I even slept with my contacts in because my hands were so dirty. I just didn't even want to like take them out and put them in a case and worry about what was in my fingers that would get into my eyes. And we finished up a little after 10, got the boat out, got everything back in the car. And from there, we went over to the tournament area and started pounding water and Gatorade in the shade. And Chef Chad Wells from Alewife started making snakehead sliders. Uh, sliders, uh, snakehead banh mi, Vietnamese sandwich, B-A-N-H, second word M-I, banh mi, which is a pretty typical sandwich from around here. They used to be $2 each, but the Washington Post put the word out and they're up to like four bucks, but it's uh, French influence in this Vietnamese food from French occupying Vietnam. So it's like a baguette hoagie roll and you can get roasted pork, roasted tofu, lemongrass beef, uh, head cheese. I usually get chicken, which is gah. Bought me gah. I get my no cilantro with extra sauce, and it usually comes with uh, pickled daikon radish, pickled daikon or pickled carrot, sliced jalapeno, and fresh cilantro. So Chad, uh, I was like, dude, just make me one vegetarian. He's like, okay. And then I see them mix cilantro into the vegetables. I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to eat that now. Uh, maybe I can just get one with the sauce on it. And then they put uh, cilantro in the sauce. I don't eat cilantro and I don't eat fish. So I was SOL from there. Uh, the band started playing a little bluegrass action, a flute with bluegrass. never seen or heard of that before. That was a first. 
And then everyone started coming in from their boats with uh, trash bags of snakeheads and fishnets full of blue catfish and coolers full of snakeheads. And it was too hot. I was too tired. There's free beer provided by Flying Dog. And I was just like, dude, I, I didn't want Gatorade and water. I don't even want to drink a beer. There's also some breaded snakehead nuggets, which people can eat. Of course, I didn't eat those. And then the weigh-in started. As you've already heard, I went around and interviewed people. And then we packed up and, and took off back here and jumped in our neighborhood pool and um, came back home. And there's there's tired and there's fishing tired. Remember John Gyrak said there's... there's uh, there's no tire like fishing tired from the book he wrote about going over to England and fishing for salmon. So I, I crashed pretty early last night. I got I barely could get up this morning. Um, I'm still hurting right now. It's it's Monday. It's 9:23. I'm going to sign off now. And coming up next, I'm going to have an in-depth podcast about snakeheads. It's about nine pages of notes. It will be like the previous ones on bluegill and largemouth bass. And brook trout. So it'll be the life history of the northern snakehead Chana Argus with focus on the Potomac River. So stay tuned with that. And that is it for now. Jason, do your thing. Sorry you couldn't make it this year. But uh, you definitely missed some shenanigans in the boat, man. I haven't laughed that hard since probably the dorms in college freshman year when it's just people hanging out telling stories. It's absolutely hilarious. Good time. But. Uh, you probably got a better night's sleep than us. You probably smell better and probably didn't lose a ton of flies in the weeds. So that's it, y'all. Thanks for listening to the 2015 Potomac River Snakehead Challenge podcast. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. country rules were not created by man don't miss wild country wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m eastern presented by primos speak the language waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment on mondays head offshore with captain scott walker and steve roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures coming to me coming to me coming to me double he's jumping he's jumping he's jumping oh oh look at that don't miss mondays with into the blue brought to you by academy sports and outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m eastern tell a few fish stories along the way on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.